This is a WTOP original podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Vine Guy. I'm your host, Scott Greenberg. Hey, today I have the pleasure of speaking with Michelle Comas-Dolge. She's part owner of Floral Springs Winery in Napa Valley, California, where she's now a third-generation owner. Her cousins run the day-to-day operations at the winery, but Michelle stays a tireless advocate. And I got to tell you, it's really fun talking to Michelle. So, stay tuned and find out why farming is actually the heart and soul of Floral Springs. And I invite you to drink in this conversation with Michelle. Now, Michelle, you have a really interesting story because here you are, a local here in the Washington, D.C. area, and you even have some roots right here at WTOP News, <laughs> which we'll get to in a moment. But you and I have something in common. Both of our parents are from California, and yet here we are in Washington, D.C. Kind of interesting. What's your story? How'd you end up here? <sighs> they brought me. They brought me. <laughs> They brought me. You know how they born brought me? Born in California, me? though, I was right? born in California. I was born in California. Both my parents grew up in uh, California. My mother in San Francisco. My dad down in Southern California and then ended I'm up just up the in opposite. San Francisco. Oh, gosh. Yeah, see? dad in San Francisco, mom in L.A. There you go. Wow. But we all ended, everybody ended up in San Francisco. Um, and um, my parents married. My dad got kicked out of school. Then he uh, didn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And uh, and then and they married. They had me. Uh, they had a degree, and he was hired by Bechtel. Bechtel was kind of the family sure. business. My grandfather was with Bechtel. My wow. mom, my dad was a civil engineer, and they sent him to Florida in 1962. So we were there for the all. The, you know, we're just past all the Apollo stuff. We were there for all so cool. the Space Coast stuff, which so was exciting. Cool. But they literally, my mom tells me how they got us across country. They put, you know, they didn't have baby beds and things like that. Yeah. And they would stop at a hotel and she would pull out a a drawer and line it with blankets. And I slept in a drawer. Well, you know, better than <laughs> better than a covered wagon. We didn't have okay. a lot of money. So anyway, so we we got to Florida and my dad was uh, transferred up and down the East Coast. And we never went back except every summer. So I was bi-coastal. Bi-coastal. But yet. California yeah. kept calling. Kept calling, kind of, yeah. Right. So in your university years. Mm-hmm. I went back to Santa Clara, University of Santa Clara. Right. Northern uh, who, Northern California. Northern California, Silicon Valley, who ki- who had kicked my dad out, by the way. So somebody had to finish. <laughs> and um, he played a lot of pool, apparently, when yeah. he was in kicked college. Kicked out of all the best schools. Yeah. So I went back to Santa Clara. So I spent four years back there and majored in theater and television production. And because I grew up in Washington, D.C., because I spent most of my years ended up here in Washington, D.C., reading the Washington Post during Watergate, I became a newsie. And I can tell you that when I was in college was when Reagan was shot. And on the front page of the San, Fran- uh, San Jose Mercury the next day, it said, Marine World moves to Vallejo Reagan shot was below the fold. And that's when I knew if I was going into news, I had to go back to D.C. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we kind of take it for granted that here in Washington, D.C., our local news is national news. I know. Right. So you also kind of spent summers in California because your family had some connection to a winery. They did. So when my grandfather retired, they lived in San Francisco. And really, the exciting story is my grandmother is Flora, Flora Springs. And Flora was born in Hawaii. And she 
was very much her name. She was the first organic woman person I ever knew. She loved wow. flora, floral, and everything organic. And um, he told her after living all those years in San Francisco and in the middle of L.A. that when they retired, he would buy her, and I quote, a place where she could plant some petunias. And they fell in love with Napa Valley. And um, it was only an hour, it's an hour and 15 minutes from San Francisco. They wanted to stay in the city, but they wanted a place on the weekends. And here's the really fun part. This was not in the Rocket Man movie, but they outbid Elton John. <laughs> they outbid Elton John. On the, on the vineyard. For the vineyard. Elton John was bidding against them for what is now Floral Springs. Which now Floral Springs, which was then the dilapidated old Louis Martini winery where he had raised oh. all his family. And before that, it was the Rennie Brothers winery and had burned down. So um, it had this long storied history. Really, the winery where we build our wine was built in the 1800s. Wow. The building right. by the same guy. If you've ever been out there to the CIA, you know, the old gray stuck yeah, out sure, there, yeah. that building. Yeah, yeah. It looks a lot like our winery. Same architect in the 1800s. Well, now I have so anyway, it was this old dilapidated winery and they built it. And so in the summers, we would go back there. I'd go back there and in the in the 70s, which was a whole different Napa than Napa in the 2019s. Now, did your grandparents have any interest in wine? Or, or was they this were, just? It was. She wanted a garden, and he, who liked martinis, was going to just be a gentleman, gar, you know, gentleman farmer. He yeah. figured he'd just be a nice investment. They'd have a lovely house. It was my uncle, my dad's brother, who loved wine, and he said it was like a Mickey Rooney thing. Ooh, there's a barn. Let's throw a play. It was. Oh, there's a winery. Let's make some wine. Really? and Honest to God. And so the first year they made wine, they didn't even have a license. They didn't know what to do with the... They didn't... Well, they could they could crush it, right. but they were waiting for the license. Right. So they crushed it. They didn't know what to do with it. So they froze all the grape juice. <laughs> Honest to God. While they're waiting for their license. That grape juice produced a uh, gold medal in Chardonnay at the LA County Fair when they didn't give away a lot of awards back then wow. and the whole family said maybe we should do this did they call it ice wine they did not <laughs> too bad they missed an opportunity they called it chardonnay <laughs> still would have been funny <laughs> and yet now and then so then after college even though you spent a lot of summers out in napa you you did bounce back because as you said you I were did. a newsie i did you were addicted you had to come back and you actually came to WTOP? I did. It was my second job. My first job was at a little diddly squat station out in Montgomery County where the uh, my paycheck bounced every week. Yeah, well, but, yeah. not um, to be named. I got I got in here, and I was, <laughs> for lack of a better name, I was the secretary. I was the assistant to the news director and um, the program director, and I sucked it up, and I lived this place. I worked seven days a week. 24-7, it seemed, for th three straight years and got them to hire me as an editor. My big break was Mary and Barry got arrested on my shift, <laughs> and I stayed on the desk for 16 hours. Wow. And they hired me full-time to run the desk after that, and eventually I was news director. Right. My way up to news director. Wow. Yeah. So I spent 15 years here. 15 years, and and there there was a little bit of a lanyap. That, that you came away with here. I did. And then um, I married my afternoon sports anchor. 
Because <laughs> that's what news editors do. Because that's what that's what news directors do. That's right. And uh, and we both left the business, and now we run a CrossFit gym. <laughs> but now, do you still have any interest in in the news world? I mean, I know. I, yeah, I'm a bit of a news addict, and yeah. I want out of it. I can't stand it. Anymore. It's in your blood. This is exhausting. No. Oh God. It's exhausting. It's wonderful. I don't know how anybody does it anymore. But yes, I'm a news addict. I stayed in D.C. I've kept my fingers in it. I did some consulting here. I did a little piece here for WTOP after I had babies called the Mommy Track because I was I remember that. Babies. That was you? That was me. I loved that. Old with babies. I got in big trouble. I did one about nursing in public and I called my breasts. <laughs> The girls and Children's Hospital was very upset. (laughs) So anyway, I did that for about three years. And then I went and started a um, an all news station here in town to try and take T.O.P. down. Oh, W.N.E.W. So I ran that for a few years. Okay, And now I'm just. But T.O.P. still here. T.O.P. still here. And they still like me. Oh, good. I'm still in it. Yep. But now you're. A third generation owner of the winery. Do I have that right? right? That's right. So the how did winery, that happen? Yeah. So the winery was started by my by four couples, my grandparents, right, and their three children and their spouses. Okay. So my aunts, my uncles, my parents. Okay. My parents were the silent partners because we lived on the East Coast. They didn't do a lot except invest. And get a case of wine every so often. <laughs> now, were your aunt and uncles? But my aunt and uncles were everything. And still, they were still, still out in yeah. the area. They they all they gave up their jobs. They moved up to the valley. My uncle is still the CEO and president of the company, and he's almost eighty. He's eighty. Wow. Uh, his son Nat is the general manager, so he runs the day to day. Your cousin. My cousin. Your cousin Nat. My uncle. My aunt Julie. My dad's sister was a school teacher and she did all marketing and sales when we first started. And when I say that Napa was different then than it is now, she would literally, she lived on the property. Everybody lived on the property. She would be feeding her babies and people would knock on the door and ask to taste the wine. And she'd be feeding babies, making dinner and pouring wine for anybody who would taste it and do wine tastings in her kitchen. Um, as she is <laughs> the, not in the, the business good, the anymore, she moved on. Everybody has other chapters, and she's now a spiritual uh, therapist, spiritual guiding. And her husband, who was a PE teacher, became a farmer, and he runs the vineyards, and he has a huge vineyard management business. And his son Sean now helps him run the yeah the man- and, the vineyard management business. Yeah, and so in, they run in all Napa, the vineyards. Sonoma up. Uh, it's all in Napa. Okay. And so they do it for all the Comus properties, um, but they also do it for a lot of properties um, throughout. Very Napa. cool. Yeah. But you're still involved in, in some form so, or fashion. Yeah, what so is that's your role? How, the, how did I get there? Yeah. So the way I got there is my, my dad passed four years ago. And so he passed down his ownership to my sisters and I, and my mom did too at the same time. So my sisters and I became owners with my aunts and uncles and my cousins. I like to say my cousins run it, but they're not owners. And I'm an owner, but I just drink it. Oh my, <laughs> my job's to drink it with you. <laughs> so you're an owner and, you're, and your cousins are essentially running the business for... Yeah, they, are, they, they will essentially be owners when, okay. yeah, in the next generation. Yeah, of course. Uh, I have to we say... We come from a long... Uh, the, very long-lived, our grandmother lived to 101, 
my grandfather did 90. So I think everybody's in for the long haul here. We have okay. good genes. It is a, a unique story. I mean, it is really unique. And I, I think what's most unique about it is that Flora Springs started in the 70s. So our first vintage was 1978. We started in the 70s, and that's just when, think back to the 70s, you know, disco yeah. and, <laughs> and Chardonnay. And that's just when Napa was transitioning from, you know, a bulk wine. It was all bulk wine mm-hmm. back then. Think Gallo. And it was transitioning to these more boutique wineries. And so there were small families that bought it, and they were seriously farmers. They seriously, as my grandfather thought, he would be a gentleman farmer. We were just in the grape-growing business. Producing wine became a labor of love. Well, now Napa is owned by all these people that, you know, made all (laughs) their money in the internet. (laughs) They made all their money in the internet, and they go up there because it's way cool, and they're a race car driver, and it sounds really cool to put your brand on a bottle of wine, and it's it's like Disneyland for adults up there. And when when we started wineries back in in the 70s, it was very granola, very organic. Everybody was a farmer, you know? Everybody was out there picking together. And so it's kind of a, it's a gazillion dollar business now. It's totally different. But we're one of the very few families that are still in it, a hundred percent. So, a, a while ago, we had we had the winemaker from Chateau Montalena. Yeah, well, in, there, and yeah. they were talking about the same thing. Exactly. They started in 1972, and yes. it was just all Chardonnay, and and you know, so it came in how and they, changed that, right? <laughs> yeah, they came right. They with their their tasting in Paris, uh, the Judgment of Paris, I, mm-hmm. I think it was called, and it was great because. Forget Chateau Montalena. It put California wine on the map. Oh, my God. And yeah. that was really the beginning of the crest of the wave. Mm-hmm. And Floral Springs was right there. We were I right mean, there. you were right at the beginning of that. We were. In fact, I think we were one of the first, if not the first, meritage wine, Bordeaux blend type wine to be to be produced in Napa. You know, everybody right. had transitioned to just cabs. Right. And we started. That's where Trilogy came in. My, my uncle fell in love with Bordeaux. And he's like, why can't we do that? And, and talk a little bit about meritage. I don't, I don't know that people, not everybody knows what a meritage is. So it's a, it's a wine where you take the best of all your 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 uh, varietals and bring them together to create the best wine you possibly can. And so Trilogy for us started as kind of a 30-30-30 blend of, if I remember correct, Cab Merlot. Petite Verdot? Or maybe. No. But I think we thought. Cab running, Franc? Cab Franc. Okay. Exactly. For yeah. that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> um, that, yes. that's her chewy noise. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and over the years, it's changed considerably, and we don't keep to any one grape. It's basically all cab, but we use different. Every year, we use different so varietals to make a blend okay. to make your best wine that you could possibly make with your best grapes. Right. Traditionally, it is the five Bordeaux varieties. Right. There you go. Yeah. Yes, so you know, you, you got Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc. Merlot, Petit Verdot, and Malbec. And Malbec, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So those are, you know, and the the I love the I love Meritage wines. I really do because I think it gives winemakers sort of this artist approach in making wine where they they have a palette mm-hmm. of colors instead of, you know, just one color. Not not a knock on Cabernet Sauvignon, still a lot of beautiful Cabernet Sauvignon wine being made everywhere, you know, Napa. But I think you can really get a little bit more expressive. I agree. I was looking. I was looking. It's kind of funny. I was just, I wrote down some notes. I was out at the winery a couple months ago and I was tasting these exact wines with our winemaker, Polly. 
Steinhauer. And I wrote down a quote from him. He said to me, Michelle, blending is the winemaker's greatest joy. And I I thought that was great. And then he talked about how barrels are his spice rack. You know, that's how he flavors it. And so I think blending to him is that he loves the trilogy and he loves that because every year you take the best and you pull it together to create this one special product that you will never replicate. You will never replicate. And that's really where the art of winemaking comes in. Yeah. You know, it is farming. First and foremost, winemaking starts, it's agriculture. Yes. You know, you're growing grapes and you can't make good wine without good grapes. Mm-hmm. You can make bad wine with good grapes, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you can't make good wine with bad grapes. So that in and of itself is is labor. But when you get into the winery, that's where the art comes in. Right. Right. Where you're doing these blendings. And, and I've, I've been to a number of blending sessions and halfway in, I can't feel my tongue. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it either. Hundreds of combinations of different wines. And, you know, they're. And to have that oh. delicate a palate that you can taste that it's so special. You know, um, can I get to grapes and tell you that, you know, first and foremost, growing the grapes, you need good grapes. The Comas family is one of the top family owners of planted acreage in Napa. We own 500 planted acres, 500. That's amazing. We use only 20% of our grapes. So you you have our grapes in all the other wines you drink. I promise you. <laughs> we sell 500 80, acres. We sell 80% of our grapes. But what does that mean to us? That we can truly choose. Everything for us is estate bottled picked and bottled, right? right. Everything you're, you're we the best own it, of the best. we know what we're doing with right. it. And we can pick the best of the best and keep it for ourselves to create that perfect wine. You know, it's funny. Um, I think I, it, I told you a, a little earlier um, that Flora Springs was one of the very first articles I ever wrote about for the Examiner newspaper. I'm going to guess that was 1920 years ago. Yeah. Probably. And I was just so blown away by the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I wouldn't say I was new to wine, but I was new to reviewing wine mm-hmm. and to to taste that wine and and with a critical eye, which I was trying to develop back then. Uh, I, I just remember being blown away by it, just absolutely blown well, away. Well, let's hope we do that. Today. Yeah, so you know what we should do? We should taste some wine. Drink some wine. Let's drink some wine. And you brought two beautiful wines for us to try today. Thank you. I would suggest we we start with this lovely. Sauvignon Blanc. Tell me about it. Well, let me tell you, this is kind of cool. Sauvignon Blanc. A lot of people, I have a lot of friends that don't like Sauvignon Blanc. They're like, what? Oh, it's so hmm. grapefruity. I'm like, well, that's because you're drinking maybe a New Zealand, you know? And they're like, oh, it's so grassy. Yeah. yeah a lot of complaint about grass. Grassy. Yeah. This is not grassy. It's none of that. We it's found tropical. It is tropical. Wow. I'm just on the nose. Just beautiful. Just Wow, I get that wonderful sort of nectarine and passion fruit on the nose. It's beautiful. Thank you. But, you know, now I get to try it. Now you got to go. Go for a little sip. Oops. I just swallowed it. Yeah. I I, I, I have no problem with that. Wow. Oh, my gosh. This is (laughs) amazing. Well, thank you. Love this. Okay, so let me try to describe it. First of all, I'm getting this great acidity, you know, right in the mid middle of my cheeks. It's just teeth rattling good. <laughs> it's just, and then the the fruit comes in very. 
and I don't want to use the word juicy, but I kind of want to use the word juicy. It's just very, got these great, wonderful, tropical and floral, flora, floral <laughs> springs yeah, yes. uh, notes to it. It's just incredible balance. Thank you. And the bright acidity at the end, super refreshing. I think I'm going to take a, a bottle of this, ice it down and have it with a hammock. Yeah. Yes, yes, you yes. Know? I mean, it'll go great with like shellfish. Like, yeah, I love it with some scallops. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. Great grilled. Grilled. grilled oh, yes. Yeah. Love it that way. Yeah. So what's kind of cool about this is that we, um, you know, I told you we have we have all this acreage. Uh, these, the acres that these come from are in Oakville, our Crossroads Vineyard. Oakville. Interesting. Oakville, where we could make so hot. much more money if we planted cab, yeah, right? right. We're cab but they found, they found this, when we bought it, there were the, these acres of Sauvignon Blanc and we're like well what clone is that nobody could identify it we took it to Davis and Davis is like we have never seen this clone before so we've cleaned it up and we've trademarked it it's our very own clone called Soliloquy and what do we do That's this is 60% Soliloquy and 40% Musquet there's your Sancerre kind of taste that crisp lovely yeah without the cat pee yeah, <laughs> we uh, spend seven months working Absolutely. on it. It goes from stainless, which gives it that nice, bright, mm. fruity taste, to a concrete egg, where it gets that minerality in the back. It's becoming very popular, the concrete egg. Yeah, those concrete eggs are pretty funky, are they? They are. They're very funny. And then they put it French oak, just to smooth it all out. Really? I assume, yeah, I assume neutral French oak. Uh, lightly toasted. Yeah. Very I'm lightly not, to neutral. Yeah, because yeah, I'm not getting, I'm not getting yeah. it. Any any oak in this, which is is fine because it just is spectacular on its own. I, I, just out of curiosity, what does this retail for? I think it retails for fifty. Fifty. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's pricey er pricey ish 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 for for a Sauvignon Blanc, but not if you're comparing it to you know Sauvignon Blancs from you know um, right, maybe Sancerre or you know Bordeaux. But right, this is this is great. And by the way, Sancerre prices even in Napa. I've noticed right. have have climbed dramatically. So I would even say this is on the lower end of pricey, you know, for for what this is. And I gotta tell you, I am very happy with this one. I would spend the money for that. Yeah, I think, I think Blanc it's, it's a heartbeat. It's, we can't we can't keep this in in uh <laughs> So I can keep this bottle, though. This is yours, oh, my good. friend. Yeah. This is yours. I'm not sharing it. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is you know, so. I don't want to leave the Sauvignon Blanc, but you have a spectacular bottle of red wine open, and and something I'm really looking forward to All trying right, with let's, you. Let's a little water to. All right. So this is and uh, so that's a 2017, by the way, 2017 Sauvignon Blanc. Right. Now we're going to the 2016 trilogy. Ah, the trilogy. The trilogy. So this is an 86% cab. I had to write down my notes. Malbec, 6%. That's going to give you right. this way, right? Right, right? And Petit Verdot gives you that depth, right? And that's yeah. 8%. So <laughs> since since we're actually on a podcast and people can't they see can't your see hand me. I'm Italian. My mother's side is Sicilian. I work with my hands. <laughs> I was a theater major. This is why I went in radio, you know, because Just, when I would try out for... <laughs> plays, they would make me sit on my hands. Clearly, I was not a good actress, and I, I work with my hands. So. I can tell. A matter of fact, I think, you know. <laughs> That's why I went on radio. Not so the face, just the, the hands. The, 
<laughs> so what Michelle was trying to explain, ladies and gentlemen, is that the Cabernet Sauvignon and and then the, adept, the with the addition of the Malbec, it sort of expands. It gives you expansion in the mouth, and then the Petit Verdot gives you the depth. Depth. Yes. Exactly, in the back of the palate. Right. Um, As she was pointing back. The way my uncle John, who develops this wine, he likes to call this liquid velvet. And yeah. I think you might agree. Yeah, I can tell you. you. Tell me what you think. I don't know whether I want to taste it or dab it behind oh. my ears. The, the the bouquet on this wine. Mm. Oh, so clearly, <laughs> clearly oak, because, you know, I'm getting a, a vanilla pop in the nose, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But But not overpowering. And then... Get these! Oh my gosh, beautiful! It's like a black licorice and coffee, mm-hmm. and chocolate, and just sort of jumping out. It's very, very aromatic. Very aromatic. I, I gotta try it. Go. Okay, say something while I drink. <laughs> okay, and he's putting it to his mouth, to his mm. lips. He's closing his eyes. He's doing a little of this. Mm. And oh wow! Oh wow! Oh wow! Okay. Um, wow. So, great balance. The tannins, definitely there, mm-hmm. but they're like what I would say are called sweet tannins, right? They're ripe tannins. So, you can definitely tell that this wine will age, but you can drink it right now. Mm-hmm. There's no reason. It'd be great. You know what would be fun? Buy six or seven bottles of this and then just try it every couple of years to see how it evolves. See where it goes. Yeah. See where it goes. Because I got to tell you, today... It's got that wonderful fruit, big fruit up front. You're getting that blackberry, that black cherry. Right. Um, some of that kind of almost jamminess to it. Great depth. Goes all the way back on the tongue. Love it. Stays but with you. Does stay with you. Good finish. But I'm thinking that the tannins in this, even though they're they're kind of behind the scenes, you can tell that they're gonna they're gonna allow this wine to really age super gracefully. And that's why I, you know, I'd love to try this wine 10, 15 years from now, you know, and, 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 uh, well, let's meet then. Again. Yeah, let's, I think that'd be, let's do a flight. <sighs> that's so much more fun. We I tell you, maybe, you know, we're going to invite you back that. and let's do you know, that. we'll that do a flight really of, of the we'll fall get a little springs. crew in here and do a flight. Yeah, no, no, just us. So you said um, oak. We spend most of the time at French oak, but we we top it off with American oak. Do you really? Yeah. My uncle says that he loves the American oak. He and Polly love the American oak because they believe American oak really softens it. Take away that heart, that you know, big oaky, and just softens that oak. And wow. when you go to our winery, actually, we do we have caves, and you go in the caves, and we have a, a, a big vat, a big. Of American oak and one of uh, with a tap on it, and one of all the Cabernet in French oak with a tap on it, and you taste the difference. They're both the same vintage. Taste the difference. So you can compare what it tastes like in American and in French, and then you combine them and play with it to see again the how blending it changes. Yeah, right. yeah, as you said, oak is your spice. It is your spice rack. It's your spice rack. I like it that is. analogy. It is. Well, I got to tell you, this these were a real treat to try, and not to be crass, but the retail price on the trilogy it's it's always it's always been a, a luxury. What I consider a luxury brand. It is. Do I have it on here? I don't know. Let's see. Let's see if it's on our little. Wait, what are what are your notes on list. this? The 2016, I believe, is what we're trying. I want to say suggested retail is 85. 
But that's just suggested. Yeah. And and, and let me see. Let me double check the oh, wait a minute. The Sauvignon Blanc suggested retail, I am so sorry, is twenty seven. No way. Fifty is for the soliloquy, which is simply the soliloquy zone. So I'm sorry, this, this is, is the twenty seven. I am so sorry. That's twenty seven. Twenty seven? And this is eighty five. And l- and let me tell you what I think about these. I uh, this is <laughs> I have a lot of cheap ass wine that I drink during that week, right? My kids always say, Mom, why do you have to go buy some more wine? We have so much wine. I'm like, I can't drink a $125 bottle of wine every night when I'm cooking Stouffer's. So <laughs> that's a lie. I've never cooked Stouffer's. Um, I'm sure it's fine, though. But I believe that we believe that uh, we should produce the best wine from the best grapes at the best price. There's no reason you should be going crazy spending $500 for a ball of wine to impress the person next to you when you can walk into a steakhouse and this certainly isn't going to cost $85. It's going to yeah. cost you a little unless, bit more, but you could get three yeah. bottles of this for what you're going to get yeah. something unless else. Unless it's a third date. Then, well, and the know. third date. Okay. I I would push to say that I bet this would impress your third date. Oh, no. Date. I just definitely would. What's, so, you know, you talk about memorable. What's, what's the most memorable wine you've ever had? Just out of curiosity. Oh, my God. Well, if you have to think about it, evidently it wasn't that memorable. I'm not sure. You know, it's really funny. I think and it doesn't the, have to be good. It just has to be memorable. That really is. I think the best wine you have is the people you spend it with and the moment of that Completely moment. Completely right? agree. And a couple years ago, we went out to Napa for, and we took a bunch of our friends here, and my husband, a triathlete and athlete, and all my girlfriends who are really fit and cool, ran a big race out there to celebrate my husband's 50th birthday. Very cool. I stayed home and drank. And (laughs) someone has to. Right. I would have been with you. That night we had dinner on the porch of my grandma's old house right there. And we drank Trilogy with dinner that night. I believe we had lamb chops, which is so amazing in the Trilogy. Somehow the two, just that gaminess. and And I remember that night like it was magic. The lights were up and it was just, and it, and to me, this is my special wine. This is one of my special wines. I can completely see that. We also do a bunch of um, single vineyard cabs, which I'm not going to get into right now, but there are a couple of those that have. But a good reason to come visit you. Topped it off for me. You know, and I completely agree with you. People ask me all the time, what's the best wine you've ever had? And I said, I don't know, but I can tell you the most memorable wines Oh, I've well, there had. you go. Yeah. And I can tell you that the, the wine that I choose depends on mood and food. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you could have great wines with just in, in maybe unsavory circumstances. And it just changes just, it for just you. changes everything. But, you know, probably one of the most memorable wines I, I can think of off the top of my head was a 1994 Dominus that I had with a friend sitting in his trunk in the parking lot, drinking it out of Dixie cups. And it was amazing, and It right? was amazing just because of where we were, what we were doing, and, and sort of this this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I can't even remember if the wine was that good, but I remember the wine I was drinking at that moment yeah. with yeah. my friend in his trunk in a parking yeah. lot. Yeah. So, you know, you never know. It's the moment. It's the people. And that's what it's, you know, wine and food brings people together. Yeah. And that's what it should be about. I agree. And on, on that note, Michelle... I cannot thank you enough for joining me today here in the studio, the WTOP studio, the 
old stomping grounds? Look, I'm allowed to drink in my old workplace. Has That's that ever happened before? Exciting. We're not going to say it because my old boss is here. <laughs> it's not like he's going to break up with you. <laughs> Can you just remind our listeners what are the two wines we had today? Uh, the two wines we had were uh, the 2016 Flora Springs Trilogy. Yum. And uh, the 2017 Floor Springs Sauvignon Blanc. Which I'll remind our listeners is only Only 27 I was so wrong. I had the wrong price point. I'm so glad you were wrong that way. So much better. Can I, put, can I put in a quick plug for something? I think you will. For how you should buy your wine yes, for all the people absolutely. listening out yeah, here. Yeah, that'd be cool. I am a firm believer um, and yay for all the distributors and me, I run over to my local, I have a local wine shop where they help me all the time find whatever wine I need that day. But when you find a wine that you love, I highly recommend you go direct to consumer. You go to the website and you order directly from them. Number one, especially when you're a small family winery like us, you need to move your wine every so often because as soon as we start bottling, we need to move some wine. Right. So they're going to sell it to you sometimes at a better price. Because you're a wine member. Okay. Number two, if you belong to these wine clubs with all these different wineries, we have one, but every place has one. They will send you wine monthly or maybe seven or eight times a year. You know, not this time of the year. I can't even get my own wine. It's too hot here. But it's a way that you can explore all these different wines, something special, and always have that special bottle, you know, for that other day. And I think it's a great way, especially now in in where we are in um, America, we're all about supporting directly the farmers, supporting directly, you know, going to the farmer's market and getting the tomatoes from the guy that actually farmed them. Right. This is the way that you actually work directly with, with the folks that make the wine. It's, I think yeah. it's you develop a relationship. And that's what is really exciting about buying wine from small families. Yep. And, and I'll put one in a, one other ancillary plug-in for that, that when you actually do have an opportunity to go visit the winery, they, Open arms. Uh, oh my gosh, right? <laughs> they so appreciate, right. oh my gosh, we've been wanting to meet you. Thank you so much. It's been great, you know, having you yeah. buy our wines. They love to have you come. They and really they love do. to really meet the folks because we're, we're making wine for people that share it with the people they love around the table, breaking bread. I mean, that's my family and and we want it to be your family, too. Well, Michelle, I can tell you, I can taste the love in this one. <sighs> That's nice. Come love some in Napa with me. I'd absolutely love to. Okay. Hey, thanks for listening to The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at The Vine Guy and catch my Wine of the Week segments on Fridays at WTOP and WTOP.com. Sarah Beth Hensley produced this episode. The music you heard is Wishful Thinking by Dan Leibowitz, available in the YouTube audio library. Until the next time, remember, do good, drink well. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. 
Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 smart bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 special edition smart bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. If you are leading change, building a team, or implementing new procedures, Gonzaga University's online master's in organizational leadership gives you the tools for success. With concentrations in change, global, and servant leadership, you'll get the most relevant training and education to help you tackle any challenge. Visit gonzaga.edu leader and find out how Gonzaga's organizational leadership degree can affect positive change in your life and career. That's gonzaga.edu leader.